0: Good things happen when we come together to for the same purpose to honor the Lord. Isn't that true? Uh, it goes way beyond the, uh, the ramifications of just a church. But when people come together, even in our culture, people come together for something purposeful and good. It's a it's a positive thing for a community for families whatever. I think it was last week. I was looking at my phone and I I saw uh, get a, get the a news feed and I saw a little uh, something about a uh, uh, about a hundred and eight year old woman. <laughs> I clicked on it and uh, there was a as a woman. I've forgotten where where it was, where she was located, but she was been had been living in an assisted living uh, facility and. Uh, she, uh, I don't know, ran out of, uh, money as it relates to her pension or, or whatever it was that was sustaining her. And she was going to be forced to relocate, find some other place to live. I don't, uh, word got out about that. And, uh, and hundreds of people found out about it and began to make contributions and, uh, in just a matter of days they had enough money to care, care for this lady for for well whatever time she had left and she's able to stay in the place that she had been living again because people came together you, you know story after story about that kind of thing where where there are good things that that, that transpire because people want to help they want to share together And it's something that is extremely positive. Well, the reality is that that characteristic should be very notable in the life of the church of Jesus Christ. We are called, and I saw it in in that video, I heard that word that we're to be light, light in the darkness of our world. I think, I think even on Friday and some of the, uh, the inaugurational, uh, 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 pronouncements and speeches, this kind of thing, I believe I heard something about our country being a model or a light to the world of who we are and what is, what's really good about America. And so, yes, that's vitally important. And as I've been, I've been thinking in these early days of a new year about Uh, scripture that is certainly relevant to us always, but at this time of the year, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through, uh, through 15, again, you've heard it many times before, but this will kind of be the springboard for some things I want to talk to you about this morning. Jesus said this, you are the salt of the earth. If the salt has lost its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown and trampled by men, thrown out and, and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your father which is in heaven that's our mandate and that's our call we are called as believers the great commission jesus said go and make disciples in all of the world and it's 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 a it's a mandate to the body of believers that claim the name of Christ, but it also has a personal mandate for us and that 's really where i 'm going to focus in just a few moments. but we have uh, we have this mandate we have this command, and certainly again. The great model for us of being a light and staying focused and, and, and coming together to honor God and to be what we're called to be is, was, uh, was lived out and is modeled for us by the early church. Those people came together after Jesus uh, ascended back into heaven. They were told that they would go to, to Jerusalem and there wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And they did that. And for 10 days, they prayed and they fellowshiped, they worshiped, and they sought God and opened their hearts. And after 10 days, the Holy Spirit came in cleansing and power. And what happened? In that setting, when after that happened, did they say, oh, this is wonderful. Let's, let's have a huddle here and sing Kumbaya and let's, let, let, let's have another praise service. No, the church left the building, spilled out into the streets and gave testimony to the fact that Jesus was alive and was resurrected and the power to change lives. And that was modeled by that group of people. Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47 give us a little glimpse of some things that transpired as a result of these people coming together and determining that they would be obedient to, to God's will and God's plan corporately and individually. They devoted themselves, the scripture says, verse 42, to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone that had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together and were with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. That small group of people through the power of the Holy Spirit were the beginning of something that literally turned the world upside down. And the God that we serve the Holy Spirit's presence that was there with them is not changed, is not dissipated. He is still available and wants to do the same thing through us corporately as the body of Christ, but also the individual component. We are a part of something greater than ourselves, but we have personal mandate and personal responsibility to be what God has called us to be. And to fulfill his mandate for us, again, that early church, we could we could go on. And, you you know, you've read the book of Acts, the miraculous things that took place. I want to highlight just a couple of things that were characteristic of that church, and I believe are, I know, are characteristic of churches and bodies of believers today that are doing the will of God and being effective in touching the lives of. Of needy people in their communities. It says, we just read that, that those people were devoted. They put a priority on coming together, on prayer and and, uh, fellowship and all of the worship. They, They focused on those kind of things, they kept their priorities straight. Does that make sense? <laughs> Tom Rainer, who is a uh, a consultant for churches all across America, he said the greatest problem of the church in America is that we that that the, that we talk a lot about what needs to be done and people that need to be reached. He said we talk and talk, but he said across the board very little gets done. And it's more if our, our relationship, our commitment to God, our, our willingness to serve must be beyond just, and we do need to talk. We do need to strategize. But again, we have power available to us through the, through the Holy Spirit that will enable us to keep the main things, the main things. It's a very easy thing within the church to get focused on things that are not as important as fulfilling the mandate of the Great Commission. May God help us in that area. Certainly closely related to that is that that early church and churches today that God's going to use are noted by displaying a loving unity Unity of purpose. We just read that in that, uh, that verse, those verses in Acts that they were together. They had one, they were of one heart and one mind. And bec- now, of course, what that means is that they saw everything exactly alike and they never had any disagreements. I don't think so, but they purposely came to a point of making the determination that they would not Allow small things, insignificant things to detract them from the things that were really, really important. And that's a true reality today. And what I have observed as a pastor and in this position that churches where there is genuine love, where there's a unity of purpose, and we are in this together and we're determined that we're going to honor God, God blesses that. Kind of an atmosphere and good things happen and people are touched and brought. And the, again, being white in the darkness, people are attracted to that kind of an atmosphere. Amen? Really are. The opposite of that is true. It was just a few months ago. I hate to, I hate to verbalize this. A church on our district... Pastor called me and said, Steve, he said, I had a terrible thing happen in our church just recently. A new family, a couple, had come to that church and had been coming quite regularly. And in fact, they had a background of such that they're in ministry in their life and the pastor use this individual for for some minor little thing. And this man came to the pastor and said, this week we received a letter at our home, anonymous, but informing us that in this church we take care of our own and you're really not a part of us. And it would be best if you would try to find another place to worship. Can you believe that? I mean, I can, you can believe it, but it's tragic. Now, the good news is the pastor was proactive about that and got to those people and talked to them. And I just talked to somebody just, just in the last couple of days from the, as a connection at that church and they, they are, they're, they're coming and they're, they're hanging in there. But again, that, and, and, and some of it, that's, that's an extreme. But there are places where that kind of a, a sense is communicated to people. And again, what a turnoff. But let's keep it to the positive where God's presence is and people are unified. Again, when, when God is present and we're honoring him, we're worshiping him, we're loving him, there is, or is a light, there is something about that kind of a place and those kind of people that is attractive to people that are on the outside that don't have any hope and their lives are even in a, in a, in a turmoil. Amen? God wants to work through us. Well, another another characteristic of that early church and again groups that God is using today is this that believers, Christ followers, are willing to to serve, to serve, get involved in ministry out of gratitude for what God has done for me. I've been saved. Holy Spirit is in my life. I'm, I'm, I've been saved. I've been sanctified. I'm, I'm, I'm surrendered and yielded to God's will. God honors that kind of attitude and that kind of service. The, probably the greatest uh, concerns that, that are expressed to me as a superintendent by our pastors, I've just been talking with them. I hear this so often. Pastor Steve, you know, I love my people. I think they love me, we get along fine, but I have a terrible time and I get so frustrated with, trying, with challenging our people about stepping up and taking responsibility for ministry and finding that it is so hard and so difficult to, to, to get people motivated to do that. They have excuses. Have all kinds of reasons why they, this cannot be. Whatever. Now, again, and, and and the reality is, I mean, this is this is a challenge in every kind of situation. No matter. I remember as a pastor, I I would have people say to me, "Well, your church doesn't have the problems that our ha- our church has." As it relates to getting getting people to serve or whatever, because you got a big church and we don't. But the reality is, it's all relative. The more people you have, the more people you need to, to serve and to help minister that kind of thing. It's, it never, it never stops. And we never, I've never heard of a situation where, where a pastor had to say, Oh, wait a minute. Please cross your names off the list. We don't, well, we're just overwhelmed with, with willingness to serve. I, I've never run into that at this point. But the reality is that we are charged with being involved. We we believe in the church of Nazarene, we believe in the, the scriptural, we believe in the priesthood of believers that we are all called to minister in variety of ways and not always just in our comfortable niche. Amen? I mean, we claim that we are the recipients of God's forgiveness and his grace and the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, if that is true, then through the power of the Holy Spirit, does it not make sense that I can step out of my comfort zone and not in the arm of the flesh, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, be able to do something that I'm, that's not totally comfortable for me and trust the Lord to help me to be able to do something that can be a blessing to the kingdom of God. I believe that. I read a book in this last year that has impacted me. The title of it was Gaining Through by Losing. <laughs> J.D. Greer is the guy that wrote it. And he, and, and he's built a great church in, in the Carolinas. But the emphasis that, uh, that he has has been placed upon, again, lay involvement and lay ministry and Taking responsibility, again, that is characteristic really of the early church too. But I'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, but but he he cited this. He said this is not original with me. But he said people's attitude about serving and really being what they need to be as a light in their world, this kind of thing, has a lot to do with their attitude and their view of the church. And J.D. Greer said, "I, I have an analogy that I would make a comparison of people's views of the church in the relative to a nautical term, the way that people view different types of ships. He said there's three ways I think that people look at the church that would fit this analogy. So some people, See the church as a cruise ship. A cruise ship—it's a great place to be, and you don't have to. You have, how much? What do you have to do? Nothing. <laughs> In fact, I, I just—I was talking to somebody just recently that just the last month or so, their family took a took a cruise, and they said they had a, had a, a a child, and said our kid. Ate seven ice cream cones in the course of an afternoon. Why? Because all he had to do was say, I want an ice cream cone. And it was given to him. And again, in that kind of a setting, you you, you again, you just snap your finger, and everything that, that you want or need or whatever is provided for you. No responsibilities. And and and, and if you if, if if you get to the place where you really don't particularly like some of the services that's not as not as uh, good as what you really want. There's other cruise lines that you can jump to real quickly. Well, I, and J.D. Greer says, I think you would agree, that really is not the, the perspective of a church that is really biblical. He said another perspective is not as bad as that, but it's he it said it's this. He said some people view the church as a battleship. As a battleship, that's a that's a that's a ship of war, and it goes out and engages the enemy, and uh, and but it's got a lot of equipment. It's got you know thick steel uh, armament on the side. They got great big guns and and uh, and and many things that. But they go out and they they they, they engage another ship or two or whatever in battle. And, and, and there's a great crew and they pass the ammunition and all that kind of thing. But but, but again, the view as it relates to the church is that the, the pastor and maybe a couple of other people, they're the ones that aim the guns and fire them and people just kind of cheer them on. And, and Pastor Greer says, that's better than a cruise ship mentality. And, and again, but the church, and again, I guess you saw that the church is not just the instrument of, 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 of battle. It's not, it's not to be just that. It's more than that. And don't depend. Don't let the, let others do it. The church be the, the aggressor for the cause of Christ. Pastor Greer said there's a third analogy that I really like, that I think lines up with Scripture. And he said, a view of the church as an aircraft carrier. I talked to my Android phone and said, how many, how, how, how many planes would normally be on an aircraft carrier? And she, I don't know who she was, she's not Siri. Android, but she said approximately, somewhere between 75 and 90 planes would be stationed on an aircraft carrier. I get the analogy. Those planes, they're based on that ship. And it's a ship of war. And those planes are serviced and readied and prepared for missions. The pilots have have briefings and they outline their 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 uh, their objectives and get their orders for the engagement but those those planes fly off of the aircraft carrier and they go all kinds of directions and engage the enemy in multiple sites and and uh, and, and and they fight the battle and ultimately then they come back to the aircraft carrier. They land and the, and the planes are, are serviced again. The pilots receive some rest and refreshment. They are challenged again for their next sorties, that kind of thing. And again, the effectiveness of that approach and of that warship is really is totally dependent. Oh yes, there's a there's a crew that readies the the, the, the planes and does all kinds of things to to provide the food for the, the for the pilots, all those kinds of things. But again, the mission is realized by sending rather than just being there, saying we're going to do it, we're going to we're going to find we're going we're going we're, we're going to accomplish something for God. And I read that, I said that will preach. What I'm doing this morning, and I, does that make sense to you? And that, and this brings me to the to the crux of what I really want to say to you. Again, it's not about just the pastor. It's not about the church being the weapon in God's arsenal to make a difference corporately. It's not about the building. It fits so well with what we saw. It's not about that. But it really is about you and me taking personal responsibility. This is nothing new. When Jesus walked this earth and uh, was putting together his uh, earthly ministry, he called some men to be his disciples. Remember that? He talked to a man named Andrew. He said, Andrew, come and follow me. Andrew <laughs> agreed follow Jesus. But you know what Andrew did? He went and found his brother by the name of Peter and said, I've found the Messiah. You've got to come and meet him. And Andrew brought Peter to, to Jesus. And you know, he signed up. And the reality is, Peter, we are, the, we are blessed today because of the impact of Peter's life in the early church. But Andrew had a major, had a major, uh, was a major, major contributor to that. Here's another scenario. You remember the story of a paralyzed man who had four friends that were concerned about him, and they brought him to Jesus. And, they, you know, in the house they couldn't get through. They took some tiles off and lowered him down in front of Jesus Jesus acknowledged, well, he couldn't get away from it. <laughs> there was a guy right in front of him. And Jesus said, the telling of the story, the scripture says, when Jesus saw their faith, plural, he said to the paralyzed man, you're healed, your sins are forgiven, get up, take your bed, go home. <laughs> I, I I used this a, a, a few months ago someplace and a retired pastor said to me, he said, Steve said, I've, I've preached from that uh, story many times. And he said, one thing I've said, he said, he said, those men, they had faith for this paralyzed man. Said that uh, they knew they brought him, they carried him to, to Jesus but they they believed that they would not have to carry him back home <laughs> i thought that's a, that's a good thought that's a good and then they did but jesus acknowledged that it was their faith i'm I, i'm not sure that that paralyzed man had that much ability to really really believe after he'd been paralyzed for years maybe all of his life but there was somebody that cared enough about him to get involved in his life And bring him to Jesus. One more. Jesus had an encounter with a Samaritan woman at a well. He wanted a drink of water. She began to argue with him about, uh, he wasn't even supposed to be talking to a woman, and much less a Samaritan woman. But uh, Jesus asked her, told her, said, go and get your husband. Bring him here. i want to talk to him. She said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, yeah, you, you said that right. You had five. And the dude you're living with, I probably didn't say dude, but whoever you're living with now is not your husband. But they had some further conversation, and she realized that her need was not just physical water to drink, but a deeper need in her life, and she acknowledged Jesus as Messiah. What happened? She was so excited about that, she left her water jug, ran back to her village, and told her family and friends, you have got to come and meet a man that told me everything about my life. And the record is that many, many, many of them came, met Jesus, listened, and many became followers of Jesus Christ. Are you catching my drift? You and I have responsibility for touching the lives of people. Again, I love that video from folks on the family about life and it it's not just about the abortion issue but but reaching people loving people not not condoning sin but reaching to them and loving them in spite of their failure in spite of their addictions and again I could tell you story after story of scenarios of of of, of, of God working through just ordinary people that that connect with somebody not to shove scripture down their throat or club them on the head with a 10-pound Bible, but to just become a friend to them, win their trust, and build a bridge that God, that Jesus can walk across to bring them to a point of accepting the help that they so desperately need in their lives. Let me let me give you uh, a few statistics that I think relate to this. This is an established uh, and accepted survey of our country done by a number of research uh, organizations that are uh, credible. Eighty percent of churches in America are declining, most, most of them declining, some just barely holding steady. And many, many, hundreds and hundreds even, Thousands are closing every year. Twenty percent of churches in America are showing any kind of growth. Now it gets worse. Studies show that of those that 20 percent that are growing, virtually all of that growth. Is what we call transfer growth from Church A to Church B or Church C to Church F, whatever. Now again, and please hear me, I don't denigrate that because I because there are reasons why that is valid. As a pastor, I, I have people that came to our church and said, "I've, I've been at a church for several years. And I've not heard the gospel preached, and so I needed to find some place where I could really understand about what." I can do to get to heaven. And that's valid. But again, the study shows that of that 20%, 1%, you heard me, 1% of that growth is unchurched people that have never known Jesus and they are reached and come to faith. Is that convicting? I believe that it is. And of course, if that if that is true and, and no reason to disbelieve it, then it says to you and to me that we have personal responsibility. Oh, yes, in the in the big picture of letting our light shine in our world corporately. We want to do that as a church. We really do. But you and I have a personal stake and a personal responsibility for that. Uh, I think it was in that same book, J.D. Greer, uh, he, uh, he, he made, made this statement. He said, in our church, programs, preaching, small groups, worship experiences, all of those can assist in the discipleship process. But the most essential element is relationships of believers with unsaved people. Becoming a friend and praying for God's work in your life to be perceptive and discerning of ways to minister to them, but also praying that God would open their eyes to their own neediness and God using that. Think about this, and, and I, I, surely, as I'm talking about this, there has to be a name or a face that might come to your mind. From your world, you know, we're called to be a light. Yeah, oh, we think of the community, of Madonna. Yes, yes, God wants us to do that. But you have a world that you live in, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, Among acquaintances and business associates, whatever. And that right, every one of us has a world that we are connected to that is a lot of darkness, a lot of confusion, a lot of lot of sorrow, a lot of a lot of anxiety because people are not finding what they need to really give purpose and meaning to their life. Isn't that true? And it's not just about the responsibility of the pastor and just having a, a vibrant worship service on Sunday morning. But it goes beyond that to our responsibility. Every one of us knows someone. And it's very possible that, again, some people you know, you may be the only Christ follower that these people know. That really does bring it home, does it not? You see, Jesus said, Open your eyes. Look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send workers into the field. That means you and me. Billy Graham's organization has kept meticulous records of his crusades for, what, those 60 years, something like that. And their records show that in the thousands, multiplied thousands, well, millions of people that have come to faith in Jesus Christ and Billy Graham's organization having a part in that through the Crusades, that 80% of those people that profess faith in Jesus Christ at Billy Graham Crusades, 80% of them had a family member or a friend, somebody else that had a part in bringing them to that point of receiving Jesus. So you and I are not released from responsibility. Now the good news is that the Holy Spirit has promised that he will guide us, he will lead us, he will empower us. You will receive power that the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and that you may be my witnesses, my influence. Jesus said that is available to us, and we have that, and we can claim it. We need to plug into the source. We, it's there, but we need to acknowledge it and utilize that power to touch the lives of people in. Our world. May God help us. I've had. Um, I've had people say, "Well, you know, I've I've tried. I've tried. I, I, well, I try to be a witness wherever wherever I am, and try to you know, live right, and that's good. But but the intentionality component is really important." And I've heard. I've heard this. I've said, you know, I, I've really, I, I've really tried. I've tried to connect with some coworkers, whatever, but nothing. I mean, it just does it, it, Never seen anything happen from it. Well, number one, you never know anything you do in the name of Christ never is wasted. Amen. I'm almost out of town, but I need to I want to tell you a story. Does the name Lee Strobel mean anything to you? Lee Strobel is a Christian apologist. <laughs> uh, he's written, I don't know, 20-some books, I guess, over the last several years defending the faith in faith in Jesus Christ. God's used him powerfully. He, his first book that really got attention was The Case for Christ. And some of you may have may have even used it. I, I know we used this, I, I believe, in Kashochtin a few years ago at a small uh, a small book that was kind of taken from that, like The Case for Christmas, The Case for Easter, that kind of thing. They can give to people, that kind of thing. Powerful, powerful, powerful influence for the cause of Christ in America. But Lee Strobel, actually beginning in his high school days and then really coming to full bloom through his university years, became a very activist, adamant, forceful atheist, did everything he could to try to destroy Christianity. He became, he, he got a job with the Chicago Tribune newspaper, which back in the 70s, 80s, whatever, powerful, powerful thing. The, you know, any of you seen the, 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 the newspapers recently from uh, Columbus Dispatch, this kind of thing? How? They're not so big anymore. <laughs> that was in the day when they had great, great power. Well, anyway, that's beside the point. And he used that platform many times to further the cause of atheism and denigrate Christians, Christianity and Christians. That was, that was his life. But somebody reached out to Lee Strobel. That was a believer. And loved him even in spite of of his despicable attitude and other things about him. And Lee Strobel could not. In fact, he began to kind of research things to try to refute the, what he was being told by this person that really loved him, this kind of thing. And ultimately, ultimately, Lee Strobel's defenses crumbled and he became a follower of Jesus Christ. And God has used him amazingly. But Lee tells this story. He said sometime, some years, actually, after he had found, come to faith. Uh, he he traveled, travels a nation, speaks in all kinds of settings, workshops. and great. He's been in some of the great churches of America. He said uh, he felt very clearly that God, the Holy Spirit, had spoken to him about acquaintance, an acquaintance of his, that he had known over the years, that was as he had been an atheist, outspoken atheist, and he said he felt that God made it absolutely clear to him that he needed to go to that man and talk with him, share with him what God had done in his life and he said i was I was absolutely convinced I knew that God had told me, so he he he, he found this individual and went to him and talk to him about what had happened to himself and finding purpose in his life. And Lee says, this guy totally rejected everything that I said. Was not He didn't want to hear anymore. And I was absolutely convinced that God had spoken to me and sent me to talk to him. And he said, I struggled with that for months. I was totally defeated about, oh, Lord, what did I do wrong? I must have not done something right because I know that you sent me to talk to that guy. What did I do? He said, I was, I was in despondency about that for months. Several years later, he was in speaking somewhere. And a person came to him and said, Mr. Strobel, you don't know me but I need to talk with you. He said uh, several years ago, you were in such and such a place and you talked to an individual about your faith. He said, you don't know this, but he said, I was there. He said, I was on the floor in that room installing tiles. And he said, I heard what you said to that man about the hope that you had found. And he said, my life was in such a turmoil. My marriage was in a mess. He said, I was in, I, I, we were, I, I, my life was a wreck. And he said, I'm laying tile and I'm hearing you talk to that individual. And he said, I couldn't get away from it. I couldn't. I tried to, tried to put out, and I couldn't. It kept playing over in my mind. And he said, at one point, I finally, I, I told my wife, I said, I had a weird experience. I, I was laying tile in this place, and I heard this man talking to another guy about, about Jesus Christ, and we, we've got to find something. Our, our life is, is, is in chaos. And he said, Mr. Strobel, I want to tell you today my children, my wife, and I have all accepted Jesus and we're very involved in a Bible-believing church and serving, thank you. And Lee said, I was convinced that I was a total failure in trying to be a witness to somebody that I was focused on. And while I felt that God wanted me to go there, but I did not know about the guy on the floor it's tile. But I, I say that as, a, as an encouragement to you that God, never, whatever we do in Christ's name, in loving somebody, in reaching out to them, accepting them in spite of their political views or, or the messed up life that they have, but accepting them, befriending them, God will work through you in ways that you would never imagine. To touch the lives of somebody that has an ache, and an emptiness in their life. Am, am, am I am I making sense? Or can I can I get some head nods? You believe that? I'm speaking the truth. We're not alone. We're not alone. It's again the power of the Holy Spirit in us that will help us. Now, here's where I want to end this thing this morning. Not enough to just say, "Wow, yeah, God really wants me to be involved and connected." But I believe that what we need to do is to pray, and we're going to do that before we leave. Lord, bring to my mind somebody in my world. Now, I've I've been involved in these kind of things before, where we said, "You know, um, you know, God wants to use you," and uh, make a list of people that, that are in your connection, your world that need Jesus. <laughs> and they turned in, and we had to turn, turn in sheets. And I had like 20, I, there were pages that had like 20 names, all that kind of thing. I'm not sure that that's really the best approach to saying, Lord, I want to be proactive in in connection with needy people. I think the far better approach is to say, Lord, speak to me. Bring a person, or maybe probably no more than three people in my mind, or if I don't even have my die totally blank, Lord, bring, speak to my heart and, and, and help me to cross paths with somebody that you can put a burden on my heart to, to love and to get acquainted with and to influence. You know, we can become so churchified, that our connections outside the walls of the church are, 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 are so minimal that we don't know anybody, hardly. That's not a believer. But I, but I believe that God answers prayer and that God would answer that kind of a prayer. Do you think that's right? That God would, would, would help you to intersect with somebody that you could begin to pray for, have their name Stuck on your your bathroom mirror that you would see them in the morning, and 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 you would you would keep that before them. Maybe some maybe on the dashboard of your car, and you would think about it. And you would pray, "Oh God, help me, help me to to continue to find ways to, to 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 intersect with Joe or whatever." And I believe that God will respond to that kind of thing, and will give us opportunities. But again, it is for us. To take them, and again, please hear me. Now, I'm not. I'm not asking. I'm not telling you that you need to to show them the Roman road to salvation or whatever that may come along the way. But to reach out, to accept them, and love them, and take an interest in their lives. You saw it on the screen, right to life thing. Roe v. Wade. Roe, the lady, on which that was all based. And the the poster child for the the um, pro-choice movement, Jane Rowe. Many of you know this, but later life, she came to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and she's in heaven today because somebody loved her, in spite of her perspective, but somebody built a bridge to her, loved her, and Jesus walked across the bridge and did the convicting. You can't save anybody. You can't, you cannot, you can't bring it about, but the Holy Spirit can, but we need to be the channels through which he can work. Amen? Amen. We're going to pray, and uh, if anybody wants to use this altar, that's fine. But, but I, I think that you and I, we just need to pray. Thais and I are praying, praying that prayer. we got a couple that moved in next door to us, and we're praying that God will, will open up avenues for us, and, and we're having some opportunities to connect with them. And it seems that like all indications, they're very far from, from, from knowing Christ. But I believe that God will put it on our hearts and will bring people across our path that need Jesus. I'd like to just have you bow your heads and I'd like for you to pray that prayer, Lord, speak to my heart. Open my eyes. Help my life to intersect somebody. And I would suggest, whether it's before you leave this room or sometimes that you would, if a if, if name comes to you, you'd even write it down so you don't forget it. And continue to pray that God would enable you. Again, this church wanted to be an aircraft carrier sending you and me out to do the work of Christ and confronting the enemy of the faith to our commitment to God and reaching people that so desperately need Him. Oh God, once again we tell you that we need your help, your presence, and your power to be what you have called us to be. Speak to our hearts and maybe respond in obedience. In your name, Jesus, your strong name, we pray. Amen.